0: Hello and welcome to Songs for the Struggling Artist, the blogcast. This is episode 248. My name is Emily Rainbow Davis. Thank you for listening. And today I'm talking about theater some more. How about that? Even though there isn't any, I still have lots of things to say about theater. How about that? Just how about it? How about it? <laughs> Uh, today's blog is about, uh, theater from a long time ago, even from like a really long time ago. Uh, not like ancient Greece a long time ago, but you know, the forties, the 1940s. Um, I don't know if anyone who listens to this podcast would remember the 1940s. Like, I don't, I don't think I have, uh. Yeah. I don't think I, I'm reaching into that generation with podcast listening. That would be super cool, though. If you are remember the 1940s from living through them, please tell us all about it. I'm very curious. <laughs> um, anyway, so today's podcast uh, is about uh, the musical Kiss Me, Kate. Kiss Me, Kate. Kiss Me, Kate. Kiss Me, Kate. How do you say Kiss Me, Kate? How do you say Kiss Me, Kate? I guess I say Kiss Me, Kate. It sounds funny. It's a funny name of a musical to say. If you aren't familiar with Kiss Me, Kate, uh, it is a musical based on Shakespeare's Taming of the Shrew. Uh, It was a big hit in the 40s. The music and lyrics are by Cole Porter. Um, And there's going to be more that you're going to know about this musical very shortly. Um, So why don't I go ahead and, and read it to you. It is called... I'm mad about Kiss Me Kate. Look, I know they made Kiss Me Kate over 70 years ago, but I am mad about it today. I'm sorry, sometimes my rage is not on time. Did you know that a woman wrote the book for this musical? I did not. I work in theater fanatically listened to the Broadway cast album in my youth, have seen at least two productions, I care about women's achievements in this field, and I did not know that a woman wrote Kiss Me Kate. How did I miss that? Turns out that even though she wrote it, the production team persuaded her to let them bill her with her husband. So it is credited to Bella and Samuel Spuak instead of just Bella Spuak even though they were in the middle of a divorce, and Sam Spuak's only contribution was that he punched up a few of the tough guy's lines, he still got the credit as a full writer on the show. And, in a pair like this, it is, of course, the man's name that is important. Apparently, even for a feminist musical theater lover like myself. Her name might as well have not even been there. Gets me all worked up. And I can totally see how this happened. I think it could probably even happen today. The producers think a show about a married theater couple will sell better if it's written by a married theater couple. And so, because the writer wants the show to sell, she is persuaded to add her husband's credit to her own. But the fact is, if Sam Spiewak had been the sole writer of a show, they would never have asked him to share the credit with his wife, and if they had, he'd have very likely said no, especially during the time they were going through a divorce. And that would have been the end of it. Surely Bella Spiewak also said no at first. And at a certain point, she had to yield. And decades later, I discovered that a woman wrote a foundational Broadway musical. And while I understand why she felt like she had to yield to this request to share her credit, I feel like I'm the reason why she shouldn't have let it go. Not me specifically, of course, but all the theater women who came after her desperate for a role model. Listen, I know that the book writer is the least sexy writer on a musical. No one chooses to go to a musical because of the person who wrote the text. I know that. But still, I think if I'd realized that there was a woman behind one of the great foundational works of American musical theater in any capacity, I think I'd have gotten a little more spring in my step. I'd have known that even in the 1940s, a woman accomplished a really extraordinary thing. And I'm sorry, but a husband-wife team just doesn't do the same thing. It was Bella Spuak, on her own, who collaborated with Cole Porter to create this piece. It was Bella Spuak, alone, who made the decisions about how to create these characters, how to engage with the Shakespearean source material. It was Bella Spuak, by herself, who negotiated with the producer about the gig, all while her husband was wooing the ballerina he'd left her for. And sure... They did eventually get back together again and wrote more things as a team. So maybe for them, it didn't matter at all. Maybe it was nice for Bella Spuak to think of all the work she'd done on her own as part of a continuum with her creative work with her husband. But it's not nice at all for the women who came after her. I should have known Bella Spuak's name. I should have heard of her work even outside of Kiss Me, Kate. She was a successful writer before she was asked to write this show. Her male contemporaries' names are canonized. I did not know her name before reading about this in James Shapiro's book, Shakespeare in a Divided America. I know I'm late to the party on this. I wish I'd been celebrating Bella Spuak all along, along with the only other foundational Broadway musical woman I can think of, Betty Comden. The American theater has an incredibly short memory. We have a few white guys we remember, and the rest disappear into history, or into their husband's credits. I'm so furious that her team convinced Bella Spuak that her credit wasn't important, when surely none of them would have shared credit with their wives. It was another time, sure... But we needed Bella Buwak's actual credit for history, for us, now. And I know somebody out there is saying, oh, how could you not know Bella Spuak? That's ridiculous. I know all about Bella Spuak. To which I say, good. I'm glad you know her. That's good. But the problem is that I did not. And I absolutely should have. If I know Oscar Hammerstein's name, or Alan Lerner, or Adolph Green, or Noel Coward's name, I should also know Bella Spuak's. And I did not. It was not even familiar. Cole Porter? I know. I even recognize the names of some of the 1940s theater actors. But not Bella Spuak. And I should have. Now I do. And so do you, in case you missed it, like me. So I had this funny moment as I went to go read this to you. I was like, oh my god, I don't even know how to pronounce this woman's name. I don't know. I don't know. I've literally never heard anyone say it before. So how do I, how do I say, how do I say her name? I went and asked my boyfriend who is, uh, you know, pretty darn knowledgeable about musical theater and that he is a musical theater writer himself. I was like, how do you pronounce this woman's name? He was like, I don't know. (laughs) Uh, and also said like, probably nobody knows. Nobody knows how to pronounce this woman's name. That is what? He's, he's right, but also what? What? Anyway, so if you do know how her name is usually pronounced, or how perhaps she pronounced her name herself, please do tell me, because I looked it up, and there was no answer on the internet. I mean, also, she lived in the 1940s, and there was no internet, so, like, nobody was like, hmm, how do you pronounce, I'm going to make a, how do you, how do you pronounce Bella Spiwak's name in YouTube in 1940? They did not. Anyway, it's her stupid husband's name also. Any anyway, what whatever I'm still mad about it, aren't I? <laughs> poor Bella Buacck uh yeah so so it's such a it's she's so lost to history like that's as bad as it is we don't It's not like I was like, oh maybe I'll find a documentary about musical theater in the 40s and it'll say someone will say her name in a way that nope <sighs> sigh <laughs> Uh, so yeah. So Kiss Me Kate, right? Um, it's a complicated show. I'm not saying it's the best show in the whole world. It, it plays pretty well. Like when I, when I, the last time I saw it, which was probably now 20 years ago, but, uh, I I was impressed by it, even though it is not a feminist piece of work. Um, it, 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 it moves. And it it wears its Shakespeare sense really lightly, and not very many pieces of Shakespeare-inspired work can do that. Uh, and also, the last time I saw a production of *Kiss Me, Kate*, um, it was the Broadway revival, which was like I want to say it was maybe two thousand and one, something like that. Um, I, I just remember being really impressed at how the musical theater actors handled the Shakespeare parts. Cause there's some parts where they're acting and they're doing Shakespeare and they do it really well. Like they did it. I was like, you know what? I'm just going to watch musical theater do musical theater. People do Shakespeare from here on out because like they had a clarity that not, you know, that a lot of people who were even classically trained are not that good at. Um, and they were, just like incredibly clear, incredibly specific. Anyway, I was very impressed. So if somebody wants to put on a Shakespeare production starring musical theater actors, just know that I will be in the audience for that. Or c- would like to participate in some way. Uh, it is not the most feminist piece of work, Kiss Me Kate, as I may have already said, um, but it, it feels like it's at least like pushing, it's pu- like it's pushing on the, it's pushing on the problem. Like the problem is there. And I feel like it offers some alternative perspectives, which I appreciate a lot. So obviously I had to do a song from Kiss Me Kate because this whole thing is about Kiss Me Kate. I decided not to do the song that I used to do as an audition when I was in high school which was uh, I Hate Men, which is the song that uh, the character of Kate sings. And I, I think I thought it was uh, fun. It was like it was kind of leaning into my, you know, misandry in high school. Like I was it felt really edgy to just like come out and sing I Hate Men. It, was, it, was, it it. was I, I feel like it did not get me very far in terms of uh, getting, you know, cast, but it did feel good to go into rooms of men and sing it at them. <sighs> Boy, I think this may be why I am not uh, an actor today, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> anyway, uh, I, I, it, the chords are too hard and they sound weird on ukulele. So um, I instead worked up uh always true to you in my fashion which is built for ukulele i mean it's not at all but but it actually i i enjoyed it on ukulele and um i really enjoyed singing the song too it's not a song i would have ever like i would never have been cast in that role as a as a youth um or now obviously um but it is fun to sing. It is actually really fun to sing, and it is full of words. My God, did that cool porter like to write down words? <laughs> There's so many lyrics. there are so many lyrics and um, they're good, you know. Uh, again, not the not the most feminist. Um, it's com- it's I, I was wrestling with it a little bit like. I don't think this is a spoiler, but the song is basically this woman talking about all the men she's sleeping with, um, mostly to get stuff out of them while continuing to be true to her partner, her lover, her boyfriend, or I don't know. I don't remember the plot quite well enough. Um, and those that that kind of like sex for stuff line. It makes me a little uncomfortable, but the thing that I enjoy about this song is that she seems to really be enjoying herself. And I'm not sure, you know, I don't know. There's something about that, that, that can feel at least like a, like a move in the positive direction of having uh, a, a woman character be like explicit about her wants and needs and sort of in control of you know, how she does what she does. And, and it's fine with sleeping with as many men as she wants. Um, so yeah, I feel like it's an interesting, I don't know. I don't want to, I don't want to go down the analytical. There's not much more to analyze, I'm sure. Anyway. Uh, so that's coming right up. Meanwhile, thank you so much for listening. If you like the podcast, please tell someone about it. Like, subscribe, do all the things. If you would like to support the podcast, you can support it on Patreon, Patreon.com/slash Emily R. Davis. There's also PayPal and Ko-fi. Please see those links in the show notes. Your support is very helpful. And uh, yeah. Oh, I should also tell you that the reason I know about this is because my dad gave me this book. So this book, the James Shapiro's book, Shakespeare in a Divided America, is the source material for this rant. Uh, And I do recommend it if you have not encountered it and you're curious about sort of American history and or Shakespeare and the two together, for example. Um, there, There are quite a few really Uh, remarkable stories in there, Um, like one about Ulysses S. Grant playing Desdemona, and uh, oh boy, there's so many. So yeah, check that out if you are interested in a book about American history and Shakespeare. Um, And so I give you, without too much further ado, from Kiss Me Kate, a song by Cole Porter. Who was kind of a dick to Bella Spewak? God damn you, Cole Porter! Why'd you have to be so good and also such a dick? Anyway, I cheers to you, Bella Spewak, and uh, and here's the song that Cole Porter wrote. If a custom tailored vet asks me out for something wet. When the vet begins to pet, I cry, hooray. But I'm always true to you, darling, in my fashion. Yes, I'm always true to you, darling, in my way. I enjoy a tender pass by the boss of Boston Pass, Though his pass is middle class and not back a bad. There's a madman known as Mac, who is planning to attack, if his mad attack means a Cadillac, okay. But I'm always true to you darling in my fashion. Yes I'm always true to you darling in my way. I've been asked to have a The meal includes a deal, except I may. But I'm always true to you, darling, in my fashion. Yes, I'm always true to you, darling, in my way. I could never curl my lip to a dazzling diamond clip. Though the clip meant let her rip, I'd not say nay. There's an oil man known as Tex Who is keen to give me checks And his checks, I fear, mean that sex is here to stay But I'm always true to you, darling, in my fashion Yes, I'm always true to you, darling, in my way There's a wealthy Hindu priest to say the least. When the priest goes too far east I also stray But I'm always true to you, darling in my fashion Yes, I'm always true to you, darling in my way There's a lush from Portland ore who is rich, but such a bore When the boar falls to the floor, I let him I'm always true to you Ooh, darling. darling in my way Mr. Harris Plutocrat Wants to give my Chink a pat If the Harris pat means a Paris hat Bebe la la Mais je suis toujours Fidèle Darling in my Fashion Oui je suis toujours Fidèle Darling in my From Ohio, Mr. Thorne calls me up from night till morn. Mr. Thorne wants cornered corn, and that ain't hay. But I'm always true to you, darling, in my fashion. Yes, I'm always true to you, darling, in my way. From Milwaukee, Mr. Fritz often moves me to the Ritz. Mr. Fritz is full of schlitz and full of play. But I'm always true to you, darling, in my fashion. Yeah, I'm always true to you, darling, in my way. Mr. Gable, I mean Clark, wants me on his boat to park. If the Gable boat means a sable coat, anchors.